Hi everyone and welcome back to this week's edition of Vegan World. On this week's show we have Jay Wilde. Jay is the farmer at the centre of the BAFTA or British Academy Television Awards winning documentary 73 Cows. Now without spoiling the story, Jay's story goes back to about 2015 when as a beef farmer in Bradley Nuke Farm in Derbyshire in England Jay found it increasingly difficult as a beef farmer to take his cattle to the slaughterhouse, as he had to every few months. Uh, He talks about his struggles in doing so, and the emotions that he went through, and also, I suppose, the turmoil that he had to go through with regards to the legacy of his father, who inherited the farm from. He also talks about how the chance encounter with people who were visiting the farm uh, ended up putting him in touch with a representative from the Vegan Society in the UK who in turn was able to put him in touch with an animal sanctuary and he talks about the story from the process of thinking it through with his wife Katia how they were going to survive by giving their herd away Now I didn't know what to expect before I spoke to Jay um, the main thing that came across when we were speaking just before we hit the record button was what a really friendly guy he is uh, we were actually having quite a laugh before we started recording and he's one of life's true gentlemen I have to say I loved every second of talking to him uh, put me at my ease and the conversation went on for ages and we could have talked for quite a bit if there's a couple of words I could use to sum up Jay the first one that springs to mind is courage courage to, to do what he did and to see it through having the strength to do that because it was such a difficult thing for him in his position to be able to actually just give his herd away that wealth that he had and because he wanted to see through and have the courage of his convictions not many people in this life are able to do what Jay did not many people have the strength to do what he did and to reach out and ask for the help that he got a big part of that story is also the help that he got from the vegan society in the UK so it's an amazing story Uh, 73 cows is out for general release and you can get it on Facebook from April the 1st I'd strongly suggest you go on there and have a look at this story it's absolutely amazing you'll not see another story like this in a very long time Uh, Jay's an absolute gentleman he really is I loved every second talking to him and I hope you enjoy the interview as much as uh, I did so hello and welcome to Jay Wild. Uh, welcome to the show, Jay. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Hello, hello to you and everybody who's listening. So Jay, your story has been immortalised for all time in the BAFTA award-winning, as it is now, 73 cows. But if you can just take us back to the start of your story and how long you and your family had been involved in the farming industry. Um, well, they they bought this farm in 1956. Um, previously, my father's side of the family had farmed for generations. And um, when my dad got married, um, my mum was from a non-farming background, but um, they, they bought this farm and uh, moved in straight away. And at first they had dairy cows with uh, a few cereal crops and beans and and um, turnips, kale, that sort of thing. Um, but as uh, sort of farming got more intensive, they got rid of the crops and started to grow exclusively grass and increased the number of cattle. And as many people do, bought in their supplementary feeds from manufacturers and uh, 
so we ended up with about 80 milk cows still tied up in the old-fashioned sheds with the chains around the necks. Um, the first sort of change was is it, in 1987, I think, we were obliged to install a milking parlour uh, for hygiene reasons. Um, still with the cows tied up in the old-fashioned Victorian sheds, um, the milk prices continued to go down and we got fed up of all the work and changed to organic beef in 1997, I think. I'm a bit vague about dates, but it's, you know, about sort of 20, 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, we've had organic beef since. Um, we, well, as my influence sort of grew a bit, I stopped feeding supplementary feeds, so we've been entirely grass-fed up till about two years ago when we gave the cows away. So when you took over running of the farm, how did the feeling of responsibility weigh on you, uh, carrying the, the family business on? Well, that's it. You do feel very responsible to, to continue your family's work, um, to, to look after the farm. Um, it was organic. It is still organic, of course, and um, we have traditional hay meadows, unimproved grazing land, um, all of which needs to be um, maintained into the future because of its wildlife value and also scarcity now. So that was a great responsibility. Um, but of course, I'd been a vegetarian for 30 years uh, by the time I took over the farm, and so I wasn't entirely happy with what I had to do. Just in terms of the day-to-day -day running of the farm, Jay, and as you said yourself, you were vegetarian. How did you find that? How did you find the interaction with the animals, given the fact that you'd chosen not to uh, participate in, in eating meat? Um, well, it was difficult because you, you felt that um, you felt as if you were sort of hodwinking, <laughs> if you like. Um, sort of um, lulling them into a false sense of security, looking after them, um, trying to be kind to them, um, sort of appreciating them as animals and individuals. And all the time in the back of your mind, you knew that uh, one day you were going to load them up and take them to the abattoir, either, be either because they were sort of finished beef or maybe um, as a, a sort of mother cow you, you take them to the abattoir because they were unable to have other calves or they were ill or lame or whatever. So it was uh, a very great conflict. One thing I've heard you say in the past, Jay, is with regards to the relationships that the cows have with one another and their personalities. Can you talk to me about that? Yes, that they sort of a, a herd of cattle have... Um, sort of a hierarchy of dominance um, sort of that, that operates on the sort of in the, the cow uh, structure um, you know they, they literally one is stronger more uh, aggressive than the rest and, and it will sort of lead the herd and um, all the rest are subservient and you also notice that these characteristics are passed 
passed down through the generations. Um, so in the same way that you can sort of uh, say that uh, families have sort of ways of behaving, families of cattle have different ways of behaving and not just interacting with the other cows, but with us um, who were looking after them, they sort of, uh, we had different relationships with different uh, cows and different families of cows. So they definitely have um, personalities, uh, you know, they're quite distinct. With that in mind, then the next step in the process from all of that was when you witnessed them being taken away to the slaughterhouse. Could you talk us through that process, um, thinking about how you, you might have felt during that and how were things for you and around the farm in the aftermath of all of that? Well, it, so obviously um, the purpose of beef farming is to, to grow the, the animals as, as big as possible um, to, to provide the sort of what they call a killing out weight of the animal and the actual amount of meat on the carcass. Um, so you put a, well, especially being grass fed, you put a great deal of time left into sort of looking after them and preparing them, and then one day you have to load them in the trailer and take them to the slaughterhouse, and it's um, it feels like a big trail of you know you sort of look after them as best you can while you've got them on the farm and sort of um, make friends with them, <clears throat> and then. You sort of um, this this day comes and you abandon them at this terrifying place, and you felt like a well, not you felt like a complete bastard to be honest, because yeah. you you know everything you, you completely reversed the situation, the relationship between you and the cow. It, it was like uh, abandoning one of your children. Um, you know, it really was mm-hmm. difficult to deal with. I can only imagine. That then led to you making the conscious decision that things had to change and change for your farm. Now, how did those conversations eventually unfold for you? I believe a chance conversation set in motion a chain of events that changed everything. Um, Well, sort of in 2011, my father died and I became solely responsible for the future of the farm and um, I kept coming up with various schemes about um, how to run the farm and sort of uh, move away from beef production but when you've got 170 acres of grass um, and no money to invest you're kind of locked into the situation of continuing what you've done before because you've got the infrastructure to do the job you've got the knowledge to do the job um, but in my case um, it it horrified me <clears throat> I found it quite soul destroying so um, the breakthrough came really when somebody to a camp we had on the farm um, an environmental group were staying on the farm for a summer group uh, group meeting and they said uh, we're, we're unhappy to find we've arrived on a beef farm we wouldn't have come um, and one of them gave me the telephone number of the vegan society and um, it took me 18 months 
phone the vegan society um, and within two weeks they were on the farm and we discussed um, the problems of uh, running a beef farm and um, and they said they'd like to encourage people to do something completely different. Um, am I interested? Um, so I said, yes, it, it could be what I'm looking for. So they came back um, a couple of weeks later with Ian Tolhurst, who's developed this system called Vegan Organic um, Horticulture, which doesn't need any animal inputs at all. Um, and he looked around the farm and said, yes, it's, it's far from ideal, but I think, it'll, I think you can do this here. So we went back in the farmhouse kitchen and um, they said, well, you've got this herd of cows, what will you do with them? Um, I, you know, we guess you'll have to send them to market or whatever happens to cows. And I said, um, you know, I've been spending the last eight years or so not wanting to do that. And... Um, they said, okay, we'll find places at sanctuaries, but it's going to take a long time because most sanctuaries can only accept one or two animals. And um, so we thought, well, that was okay, you know, something for the future. we probably hear from them in about six months' time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but they, well, it's like 14, 15 days, two weeks later, they, they phoned back and said, we found one sanctuary that can take the entire herd. And that was the actual point at which I knew I didn't have to do this anymore um, because the, the whole, all the cows traveling together and living together was the ideal outcome for me. Um, they wouldn't be separated from their calves or their presumed friends. I'm sure cows have friends in cow society. <laughs> and, and um, so it was just a massive relief. That was the uh, sort of the actual point that, that which I realised didn't didn't have to do this anymore. And that was mm. fantastic. I was going to say the range of emotions that you must have gone through there, Jane, must have been the full spectrum of it because you have the the worry and the uncertainty at the beginning. You know what it is that you want to do, but it's looking for the how and why, and you know how are we actually going to make this happen. Um, along come the vegan society to help you facilitate that. It sounds like the chain of events fell into place very well for you. Now, talk to me about the day the cows actually went off to the to the animal sanctuary because I think I remember seeing a video about this, and you must have had quite mixed emotions. I suppose you thought, "Well, I, I know I'm doing the right thing here," but equally, the cows are moving on to another place as well. As you say, it was very mixed emotions and a very sort of not... Uh, it wasn't unadulterated relief. There was a lot of uh, guilt about sort of betraying my heritage, if you like, mm-hmm. and um, and sort of... Um, everybody told me that... I sort of mentioned this to several people and they'd said, well, why do you want to change you're producing grass-fed beef, Um, you're trying to be as compassionate with the animals as possible, which is true. Um, You've got a low environmental impact compared to farmers who buy 
concentrates made with sort of, um, soya or wheat mm. or whatever. Um, so there was that sort of uh, conflicted about and, and also guilty about sort of um, betraying my dad's hard work in a way that he'd built the farm up and I was ending it abruptly mm. and dramatically. And um, sort of a I also felt some affinity with other farmers that that um, it's the way that Britain had been farmed for the past several thousand years with a livestock-based system and, and some doubt as to whether I was doing the right thing ending that. But then, of course, on the other hand, it was the, the agony that it caused me to to send the animals to the slaughterhouse and also uh, an awareness of the environmental cost of livestock production. And so the vegan society made it um, easy with their, um, you know, the, their facilitation of the process and um, the fact that Countryfile came and, and filmed it sort of changed the way it felt because it, it was sort of... Um, if it had, had occurred with no publicity, um, you'd have been left to sort of work these emotions out over a long period of time, I think. But um, with with uh, the BBC filming the process of the cows leaving the farm, it kind of it made me confront all these things immediately and um, come to terms with them on that day, really. And so it made it more clear and possibly easier to, to sort of um, put it out there and um, expose the, the process to the public view. You had to sort of firm up your confidence in what you were doing. And um, I think that was a help, really. It was terrifying, of course, to have the BBC here, but <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, especially with Adam Henson, who who's um, sort of the face of traditional farming in its, um, you know, with his rare breed herd and um, his commitment to, to uh, meat-based diet. Um, but he was, he was very sympathetic to, to the idea of change. Um, but, of course, they continued to provide this sort of bucolic idyll of fields full of cows and sheeps on 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 the program exactly to date so they've not really embraced change themselves yeah um that's mm. interesting you say that actually because i remember watching country file a couple of months ago actually um and i remember that program that you're talking about when they showed up to to interview yourself and i thought wow what, what a fantastic story and you came off with a great quote that day jay that's always stuck in my head and you said you hope the cows are feeling like they're going on holiday and then yeah. cut to the cows lolloping is the only word I can think to describe it. Oh, right in the oh yeah, yes, yeah. That's um, that's an example of you know the, the fact that cows can experience emotions. They hmm. you can see them looking sad um, if one um, has has a, an injured foot or something. You know you can almost imagine you see them cry with pain and distress, um, and also. As you say, the ex they um, show joy by galloping across the field when they're released in the spring or into a new field, actually. 
So, yeah, they do have the full range of emotions. It's just you have to um, lower your defences and recognise this fact and not sort of pretend that they're just sort of literally dumb animals uh, that can be used for our benefit in whatever way we see fit. Yeah, not just commodities, I guess. You know, they're actual real live beings, you know, with emotions of, of their own. Just in, in terms of, we touched on the BBC there, Jay, but obviously you've been made very famous now as a, uh, having your name attached to a BAFTA uh, yeah. award-winning documentary. It must uh, be, be quite an accolade okay. uh, for the documentary 73 Cows. Now, can you tell me about that, that particular experience briefly and I suppose how you found overall general public reaction to, to your story? Well, the, the whole thing's sort of crept up on me um, unexpectedly. It, um, Of course, when at the very start, when it was decided the cows would leave the farm, I didn't expect any publicity at all. It was just something that was happening to this particular farm and a welcome relief for me to do something that I found more acceptable. Um, so it, it sort of started when Countryfile filmed the cows leaving the farm and the publicity took off after that. And all along the way of sort of this journey for the past two years, each further step I've not really anticipated. And so it's been a series of surprises culminating in the BAFTA, which still doesn't seem real. <laughs> and um, I still don't really know what it means. Um, people say I'm... People have said I'm now famous, but I don't know how it feels to be famous. I, I don't feel as if I've done anything to earn it because, um, you know, you see you associate the BAFTAs in particular with people who've been in the acting profession for 30 years or so, and they finally get this accolade to recognise all their hard work. And I just stood inside in front of the camera and mumbled a bit. And, <laughs> and it, so I think it emphasises the fact that the BAFTA belongs to uh, the filmmakers. And um, they did a fantastic job. And, you know, really, despite having to see yourself on screen, it, it can't hide the fact that it is a fantastically produced piece of work. And they, it, and they, they, for them to make, to earn a BAFTA with their first independent production is just staggering because as with acting, I think it's usually the culmination of quite a long filmmaking career, and they just they just made this first documentary and scooped a BAFTA. It's a, a sign of things to come, I hope, for them. And for you too, Jay. I mean, I, I personally, I think the, the best stories are the true stories and the real stories, which yours is. You know, they... they I know what you're saying there about the, the other actors and stuff like that, but I think the interest that you've... Uh, Arisen in people is phenomenal. There's people that I've been speaking to in the US who knew your story, 
as far away as California and I'm speaking to them a couple of weeks ago and I was I had mentioned that I was going to be speaking to you and we're like, Oh girl, I can't wait to hear that episode. You <laughs> yeah. know? I was like this guy's more, even more famous than I than I first realized. But just in terms of all of that, Jay, I mean you mentioned that you've now transitioned into um organic plant based farming. So yeah. how can people get a hold of uh, your products and Bradley Nook Farm products? Well we've had a uh, we're not producing anything yet. We've had a long series of misadventures with planning <laughs> what we're doing with the farm, the, the permission, planning permission for the um, polytunnels, which is the first step, is under consideration at the moment. We're, we're hoping for a decision on that so we can actually build the polytunnels in a few weeks. The, of course, the, the plan is to produce vegan organic vegetables and um, the cow sheds in which the cows used to be tied up uh, we've spent all the money we could scrape together for the past 10 years having the roofs fixed and so we're going to incorporate these old buildings into the scheme for the farm with um, a restaurant bed and breakfast and uh, hope to turn it into a vegan destination um, that is a brilliant yeah. idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's uh, we're trying to make use of what assets we've got. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Well, you'll have certainly one visitor here uh, coming over, that's for sure. So, yeah. w- one last question for you, Jay, just with regards to, I guess, ultimately the stars of the show, the cows themselves. Have you been to visit them recently? And if so, um, how are they getting on? Um Despite the fact we're not achieving much at the moment, we're, we're always busy, and, and it is quite a long wait. It's almost a four-hour drive to get to Hillside. Oh, wow. And so we've only been once. Um, we, we visited last summer to um, to allow Alex and the film crew to, to get the final segments of their film production. Um, so that was that was interesting because the, the adult cows pretended they didn't know us <laughs> and uh, and we were a bit put out by that um but but luckily we we we'd booked a room in in nor in norwich and so we stayed overnight and next day we went back to the sanctuary and they took us out to the coastal area where the younger animals were living and uh, they came trotting up to us as if we'd if we'd never been parted so we we were reconciled. We didn't feel quite so bad then. Lovely. Mm. Very nice. Well, Jay, listen, it's been lovely speaking to you. Um, I think your story, more than anything, is a story of strength, uh, compassion, and love. Uh, that's the, story, the the core of your backstory and what comes through. And you're an absolute inspiration to others. Um, I really thank you for everything that you've done as a vegan um, and as someone who's interested in the promotion of animal rights. I think your story is absolutely outstanding. You're a total inspiration to all of us. And um, I wish you and Katia um, every success for the future. Thank you. Well, as you say, I, I hope um, I hope that people hearing about this journey um, sort of feel strengthened to do what they feel to be right and and also what what seems to be necessary for the future of the planet which in the past two years the environmental aspect has become more important so i hope it strengthens people people's resolve to do what they 
feel needs to be done. Fantastic, Jay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. One thing I would like to add to Jay's story is that he's by no means the only uh, ex-farmer who has gone vegan. Uh, there's a list full of them on website freefromharm.org. They're all around the world. They're in Europe. They're in North America. They're in Israel. You name it. People who have just got fed up with the whole agriculture industry, the treatment of animals uh, when they grow up bond with these animals and then one day have to send them off to be slaughtered. They just can't live with them. They can't live with themselves and they can't live with the process. Uh, Jay's story came to my attention a couple of years ago because he's based here in the UK and I wanted to get his story across because he's such a nice man and he tells it so well. Um, but he's by no means alone. This is happening all around the world. People are turning their backs. People involved in the agriculture industry are turning away from it because uh, it's not humane. There's nothing humane about any of this. It's a betrayal of the animals and I hope that comes across in the interviews. So that's it for today, folks. Thanks for downloading. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode with Jay Wilde. Um, thanks to Katia Wilde as well for uh, making this happen. Uh, there was a lot of back and forth, and Jay's a very busy man these days, and I really appreciate him taking the time out to come and speak to me. I uh, really enjoyed the chat with him. It's a great and interesting story. I hope you enjoyed it too. Uh, there'll be another episode along next week for download uh, in the meantime if you'd like to take a second and give us a rating hopefully five stars uh, if it's not five stars then don't bother uh, and also maybe a great review that'll be fantastic really appreciate it houses get noticed on the charts um, otherwise all remains for me to do is to say cheerio until next week and have a great week guys in the meantime bye for now